area of expertise, if you will, in an industry doesn't matter. It's a bit broader, but that is also an opportunity. One of those scenarios where you go, okay, how do we leverage this to our advantage? Because it does lie the tangent pool. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull, and on this show, we interview today's industry leaders in talent acquisition to discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds. If you are working in talent acquisition and have always wanted to sit down with your peers at other companies to exchange ideas and learn, well, this show is the next best thing. Join us each week as we bring you a new expert interview and extract their expertise. This episode is brought to you by SageMark HR. Transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology. Selecting the right recruiting solutions to enable your strategy is one of the biggest challenges leaders face today. You know technology will help, but searching all the options to find out what will work best for your specific needs can be both overwhelming and time consuming. At SageMark HR, we make selecting the right recruiting technology easy. Our proven process has helped companies such as 3M, Comcast, Stryker, Walgreens, and many more. Reach out to us at SageMark HR for a free consultation to learn how we can help you improve results with less stress and confidently change from reacting to leading. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull, and today we have a conversation with Shamika Dukes. Shamika is the Director of Corporate Talent Acquisition at Cisco. Shamika, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. Yeah, I'm excited to have a conversation with you. Uh, Let's start out, and uh, if you could share with the audience a little bit about your background, how you got started in talent acquisition, some roles that you've held leading up to the current role? Sure. So um, I think like with most people, I came into talent acquisition, but the path, if you will, was not a direct one. My undergraduate degree is in psychology. And as I was preparing for graduate school, one of my mentors who was in psychology, I was speaking with her and she mentioned that she made a change into human resources. I was like, huh, human resources. Interesting. Tell me a little bit about that. We spoke a little bit. And shortly after that, I had applied to a role and an agency actually called me. That agency was a small, it was a boutique agency. And they had an on-site position with Nokia. If you are familiar with Nokia or you are of a certain age, you know that Nokia was a huge player in the telecom industry globally. So the U.S. was was booming at that time for Nokia. It was a hot spot, and I was on site in the Irving, Texas location under an agency shortly after started running or leading a team. And I should say the rest is history after that. Through that time period, I moved to another role with that same agency in Houston, Texas, in an oil and gas company. That oil and gas company was certainly a new world for me. I knew nothing about oil and gas. But I was on site there and learned a lot, great opportunity, and almost instantly started leading, if you will, shortly after that, moving to another oil and gas company. So majority of my experience is oil and gas, focused specifically on talent acquisition. My new role is a different industry in the food service industry with Cisco. One of the reasons that I had interest in this role is I was at that point in my career where I said, I really want to diversify my portfolio. Similar to companies, the more diverse your portfolio, the better. And so I am in that phase of five months right now with Cisco, a little over five months, learning and 
understanding the industry and, and their needs. And it's been a great transition for me. Oh, that's great. Excellent background. And yeah, I applaud you for changing industries. Not everyone does that, but it's fun to, to learn and expand and challenge yourself with similar problems in different industries. You need to approach Absolutely. them differently. So that's great. Talk to us a, a little bit about kind of the, the size and scope of your current role at Cisco, size of the team, number of hires, types of roles, mm-hmm. those types mm-hmm. of things. Sure. So to give you a bit of, of background, talent acquisition is in two lanes, if you will. You have what is called field talent acquisition, which is led by my counterpart, and that is a very large team. The direct hire team or core team, I should say, is over 40 recruiters, and that does not include the RPO that handles a certain part of those field positions. In addition to that is the corporate side, which is my response, the area that I'm responsible for. The corporate or what we internally call global support center Those roles include everything from your C-suite down that are under the corporate umbrella. My team is currently approximately 18 recruiters. We call them talent acquisition partners or TAP. So if I flip up here, bear with me. But approximately 18, and that is a mix of direct and contract. In terms of hiring, so fiscal year 2022, I think I mentioned to you just before we started, we're not on a calendar year, we're on a fiscal year, but fiscal year 22, the entire TA organization hired approximately 37,000 employees. And the corporate side, that would equate to about 1,500, just over 1,500, give or take, for the corporate side. Great. Let's talk a little bit about some of the key initiatives and kind of what the organization has been going through from either a transformation or an improvement perspective over the last, we'll say, year or so? Like, what are some of the things that have been happening just prior to you arriving and since you've arrived? Absolutely. I think everyone's story is similar with, I'm going to call it post-pandemic. I don't even know if we can use that right now, right? But post-pandemic, the volatility of the market obviously made some changes in how we do things. To be clear, I was absolutely astounded by how this team that I came into was filling positions in such a, along with the quality, but along with the volume, the quality, in such a way that the market didn't seem like it was realistic for them to be able to do so. As you know, we are in a time, and even though things are sort of settling, I hesitate to say that, are somewhat settled. We are still in a time period where we are looking at things a bit differently. Competition is very different. It's no longer just our direct competitors that we have to look at as competitors. It's everyone. Hiring managers and companies are more willing to look at the difference in backgrounds. They're willing to look at someone not being in a local area. It used to be if you were even in HR or one of those what's considered shared services functions that you could be an industry and you're not really allowed or it's a difficulty to get out of that industry. And that's just not the case post-pandemic. It's very much so your location doesn't matter, your area of expertise, if you will, in an industry doesn't matter. It's a bit broader, but that is also an opportunity. One of those scenarios where you go, okay, how do we leverage this to our advantage because it does widen the candidate pool. One of the things that I will say that is instrumental or that I have seen in this organization in the short time that I've been here is that the structure and how we support the business has become a priority. 
it's no longer, uh, and not to say that was the case prior to, but it is no longer a scenario of we can depend on the post and pray. We have to set our teams up in a way that they can fully support the business and get them what they need. So looking at you know, how TAPs are assigned to certain businesses, with that, them being flexible enough or agile enough to go between different positions or different parts of the business. I think that would probably be the biggest item that I've seen in coming in and, and what's sort of been discussed about prior to. So as you talk about that and talking about kind of how talent acquisition shows up in the business and the changes that have occurred, has that been both structurally as well as on the one-to-one interactions? And if so, kind of like, how would you describe that operating model or that service delivery model? So how are you structured to support that? And then what do you as the leader set as the expectation for how your TAPs kind of show up with hiring leaders? Sure. I love that question. As far as the TAPs are concerned, they are assigned to a certain part of the business. But again, we also have to be agile enough to ensure that if we need backup or if there is a surge in positions in a particular area, that everyone has a skill set that where they can jump in and assist. One of the items that has become instrumental for us is there are parts of the business that are exploding, so to speak, in ways that has not happened in the past. And so we have had instances where we've had to stop and actually set up a model specifically for that part of the business. So as an example, I'll give commercial as an example. We had to look at the business and say, let's see how we can ensure that we have additional resources that can come in and focus just on this part of the business that is growing tremendously and taking off, but ensure that they have the necessary resources from a TAP perspective to be able to focus on that part of business alone. That's great. And then as they interact with the hiring leaders, what's the kind of experience that you're looking for your team to deliver or or what kind of expectations do you set with them on on kind of how they show up with them? Yeah, it's absolutely being as consultative as possible and less reactionary, more proactive, less reactionary. I think you'll hear this across the board. Again, the post and praise is not an option. Getting in front, showing up in front of your hiring managers to give them the lay of the land of what you're seeing in the market, giving them the insight on what candidates are saying when they are phone screening candidates, going into detail about resumes that they are seeing. I think one of the things that became imperative for me in this role is ensuring that the PAPs understood that you are not an order taker. (laughs) Your role is a contributor and a true partner with the HRBPs and your hiring managers. So you have information that those people don't have because they are more focused on the internal landscape. So providing the hiring managers with those details, look, here's our salary range, but here's what I want you to see. The caliber of candidate that you're looking for, here's what they're seeking. And having those conversations with the HR business partner and the hiring manager, ensuring that the hiring manager understands that, look, we may be in a scenario where last year or two years ago, we were able to put a number of candidates in front of you overflowing, but we may have two solid candidates at this time. And let's be very realistic about how quickly we need need to move, how 
how detailed we need to be in understanding that we need to ensure that employees or candidates understand the position. And I don't want to say sell, <laughs> but it's less of a scenario of candidate trying to simply tell us why they are fit for the role, but also us being very intentional about why we are fit for that candidate. That's great. I appreciate you sharing all of that context. That's, that's helpful and appreciate that. So let's now kind of shift gears a little bit to mm-hmm. be a little more forward-looking. So given mm-hmm. those changes that you've seen and Obviously, yeah, all, all the things in the market that have, have definitely changed mm-hmm. uh, kind of post-pandemic. What's the vision for the future or where is Cisco kind of looking to go from here and some key initiatives that, that you're working on? Absolutely. Right now, the focus is certainly on still continuing with the structure. That, that's going to always be a priority, ensuring that we are set up or aligned in a way to support the business in the best way that we can, but also driving things with data. I will tell you that, you know, and I'm not talking about things like how many positions you fill. I, I, I have to be honest, I don't know the last time outside of a true TA conversation like this that someone has asked how many positions have you filled in terms of hiring managers or, or executives. They want to know information. Where are our hot spots to find candidates using resources that will tell us what the diversity landscape looks like in certain areas, where we need to go or where we need to emphasize our dollars, our marketing dollars, in order to hone in on candidates. There is a, there's the ability in that data to be able to say, hey, this does not mean that we cannot find a candidate. So not using the data to say, these are hard to fill positions and we can't, but using the data to say, we have to go outside of the box. We have to do other things, additional things, to get and attract these candidates. So those are the, the main items, the structure, the data, and actually being able to relay the information back to the business, giving them the ability to see sort of how to, how to tell their story, how to tell their story. And of course, their story essentially becomes CA story. Great. Last question I have for you is, What's a piece of advice or some advice that you would like to share with others in the TA profession? Something maybe that's helped you, something that somebody provided to you that really resonated, just some advice that you would share to help others. Absolutely. I, you know, I think the main thing for me is when I talk to people who are coming into TA or who've been in TA for a bit is being sure that you know more than just TA. That may sound crazy, but being sure that you know your business what it is that your business does, how the revenue is driven, what is it about these positions that make this part of the organization function better, if you will. And in addition to that, knowing more about the organization. So what we're doing from an HR, knowing more about the employee life cycle, I should say. So from an HR perspective, knowing a bit about compensation, knowing a bit about learning and development, and benefit, knowing those details that as we're talking to candidates, as we're talking to hiring managers, and of course, HRBP, we're able to have conversations, if that makes any sense. The other part of that, again, is not being afraid of the projects, as I like to call it. There are things that come our way in terms of projects that may not necessarily seem like they're TA-related or recruitment-related, but it gives you exposure to other parts of the business that will help you in the end with your talent acquisition items that are on your plate. 
That's great. That's wise advice. Uh, that, that's really great. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that. Shamika, I appreciate you joining the TA Leaders podcast and, and sharing uh, about your journey. And thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share the episode with your network. Ready to transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology, just like our other clients at 3M, Comcast, Stryker, and Walgreens? Then reach out at sagemarkhr.com for a free consultation.